0: I think being your own boss is amazing, but you can have a steady paycheck and be your own boss and make decisions for yourself while building a side hustle.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikaela matthews Akome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. So when you work for someone else, you really look forward to payday. But when you become a business owner, you really look forward to finding that great payroll provider. And that's where Gusto comes in. Small businesses across the country love running payroll using Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, you might even fall in love with it yourself. Side Hustle Pro listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and test it out yourself at gusto.com SHP. That's gusto.com SHP. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Yalitza Jean Charles, the founder of Healthy Roots, Yelitsa never had a doll that looked like her growing up. And when she finally did get one, let's just say she was none too pleased. We'll get into that in the episode. Ever since that experience, Yelitsa has made it her goal to make sure that no other children feel the way she did about her own appearance growing up. While in her junior year studying illustration at the Rhode Island School of Design, Yelitsa redesigned the fairy tale character Rapunzel as a brown girl with beautiful kinky hair. What started as a class project grew into Yelitsa attending an accelerator program and starting a Kickstarter with 674 dedicated backers, and Healthy Roots was born. Yelitsa has gone from not knowing how to do her own hair at the age of 21. To teaching young girls all about their own. Since starting Healthy Roots in 2015, Yelitsa has gone on to be recognized on Essence's 2017 50 Founders to Watch list. She's won the Startup Stampede and most recently won the New Voices Fund pitch competition during Essence Festival. Let's get right into it. So, welcome to the guest chair, Yelitsa. Hi, thank you for having me. I am very excited to have you. You are the first doll maker that I've had on the show. But you know what? I just read your bio before I even get into questions. Give us a peek into your life. Who are you? And what are you up to? <laughs> Where
0: do I even begin? So my name is Yeliza Jean Charles. I am a young black girl just trying to make things happen. <laughs> um, it's been pretty crazy this last couple of months because I felt like so much has happened at once because. Um, where I was in 2017 and 2016 with healthy roots is so different from where I am today. Um, getting our first investor, winning multiple pitch competitions, finally having my Haitian parents understand what it is that I'm doing kind of, (laughs) Uh, um, yeah. So I went to art school where I studied illustration, um, at the Rhode Island school of design, got involved in social activism there with black lives matter and wanting to bring that type of activism back into my work and thinking about the impact that artists and designers can have. And that all ultimately turned into Healthy Roots because I wanted to do something that talked about my identity and my experience as a woman of color and could have an impact on the children that come after me.
1: And I've been doing that for the past three years. Wow. So when do you think you were kind of bitten by this entrepreneurship bug where you knew you wanted to do this? not just as a hobby or, you know, setting up an Etsy shop, no shade to Etsy, but you kind of, you approach this in a full-time business way. Talk about that. I, people ask me this and I'm like, I didn't really get bit by a bug. I got pushed off a cliff Ooh. and
0: like, I had to like pull the parachute. I stumbled into it. Like I said, I went to art school. I was supposed to be like a fine artist, like some Kara Walker type of stuff. And as I, you know, continued studying, I realized I wanted to be in children's media and I wanted to focus on, you know, go, like my goal was to go to Scholastics or Penguin, um, so like children's publishing. And I was really fueled by this. I've always believed in the power that individuals have and the fact that we should be always working towards impact. Um, even in, like, college, um, even before college, I would write in all my college essays about the, the power that artists have, creatives have, and the fact that we're able to inform society and educate people through our work and through the representation and opportunities that we have to, vis- like, represent all different aspects of life, and that's... That, and so entrepreneurship just became a tool for me to do that a tool for me to continue educating people and creating the change that i wanted to see because Healthy there is for me is not just a physical product it's about the impact that we have on children through creating a diverse representation of themselves
1: now i love that you say that because recently i was at a conference and i heard a quote i wish i knew it verbatim but essentially it talks about when you don't see your story represented then it's almost as if you don't exist. Mm. And that resonated so much with me as someone who's creating this podcast to share our stories because it's it's so true. You don't feel as if you exist. And you talk about having that experience of never seeing a doll that looked like you when you were growing up.
0: Yeah, actually, when my parents tried to give me a black doll for like Christmas when I was little, I like unwrapped it and I instantly started crying. <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad. And like you'll yeah. ask her, I'm like, yeah, she did. She yep, did. Yep, yep. It was pretty bad. And it just goes to show how, just how much of an impact that kind of stuff has on kids. And so I use entrepreneurship more as a tool. It wasn't that like I was bitten by, you know, like, oh, I started selling and I saw an opportunity. Was like, no, like I wanted to create a difference. And entrepreneurship is my way of doing that by like getting into this system and using it to help make this change.
1: So what were some of your first steps now? You know, in your bio, we heard a little bit about that grant that you received and how you started exploring a bit there. But can you break down, what was that process really like?
0: I think that the school that I went to in particular was able to plant the seeds to help, like, and give me the tools to pursue entrepreneurship without realizing it. So going to an art and design school, they're constantly making you think and learning how to problem solve creatively. And so a lot, like all of our assignments were like, you're given these and these tools, you have to execute on such and such tasks, make it work. And just from my own background as a child, like coming from a low income family, like always having to like figure things out on my own. And so my journey, like that was my journey was like, learning how to ask the right questions and seek the information that I needed in order to continue going. So I was doing a lot of research. I was, Google is your best friend. I always tell people like Google things like that. Everything is on Google and like being open to acknowledging what you do and don't know. And that's another thing that I really credit my school for helping me realize and like own is like, it's okay not to know things so long as you're trying to
1: learn. And did you ever... Consider another outlet, another way to accomplish this same impactful mission that you were on other than dolls.
0: I don't know. I I vote like I could see myself working at different organizations and helping there, but they have to value your voice. And I don't think that we're in a position in our society where people are necessarily va- valued fully in all the in in every space that they go and work in. So it'd have to be like a really good fit for me because I was able to create change on my campus through student leadership, and I still have impact there today through the people that I taught that I left there. So that's the only other capacity that I could see myself making change.
1: Okay. So you are in the supportive program at Brown University, and you get into another accelerator program. When did you start the Kickstarter? And at that point, did you just have a design of your doll, or were you actually starting to physically make it?
0: So I started the Kickstarter in my head, like when I started Healthy Roots, when I like applied for that initial program at Brown University in the fall, um, in the winter of twenty fourteen. That's when I was like, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. And everyone was like, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do not tell me what I can and cannot do. Um, So that's when I started the Kickstarter because... It just is inherent to me that, like, you don't just create a Kickstarter and expect it to get funded. You have to do all the due diligence behind the scenes and, like, know where your money is coming from beforehand and build up an audience. So from then on, I was building my audience through my social media platforms. I was having conversations about race and gender and about toys and representation through my Facebook, through my Tumblr, which I, like, was able to build up a lot of followers and, like, have my friends who had really large art followings read blog and reshare my things. Um, So that's what I was doing through my program at brown or through the accelerator at mass challenge finding my core audience because i think one thing that a lot of people do is they expect their friends and family to be their consumers and they're not you have to go find the people who are actually looking for your product and they will support you
1: and who were those people were there particular mom groups that you honed in on
0: so we looked at
1: natural hair groups and there was an overlap with like mommy bloggers as well.
0: And we found that the consumers that purchased our product the most were white mothers with biracial or
1: transracial adopted children. Interesting. So, okay, Eliza. so I want to take it back a little bit, because although I, I kind of understand your journey and where you're going, I still don't have a sense of how this came to be as far as how you physically made your first doll? Did you sell it on a website? Was there a team involved? Or were you in your basement making dolls yourself? Okay.
0: Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the funny thing is like people to this day, when I like carry the doll around, be like, did you make this by hand? And I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> you really think I'm just making plastic dolls on my basement? Like, I don't know. Perfection. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so the first doll was, it was, that's where Healthy Roots started, was in a class. And it was called 3D Illustration. And I was tasked with the assignment of redesigning a fairy tale character. And so I chose to recreate Rapunzel. and I turned her into a little brown girl with kinky curly hair. So like I sculpted it out of clay. It was like aluminum base and sculpty clay. And then I made a wig and I painted it and I like created her clothing, and I presented her to the class, and everyone was like, "This looks like a doll." And I was like, "It does look like a doll. That's interesting. And that's where it started.
1: Wow. And then did you start duplicating those or was it just like, okay, let me first get money before I can start making these at scale?
0: So from there, I did the research for the fellowship at Brown University. So I did research behind like solving the problem it wasn't even about the product yet but it was about the idea of the product that i wanted to create it which was diverse dolls with different skin tones facial features and hair textures that are not only just brown but are educational like create the opportunity to teach you how to do your hair and then from there that's when we got into like building out the brand and the product so finding a 3d modeler to take my sculpts like we scanned them and like editing them in rhino or cad to like you know, make a finished product. No, I think it was ZBrush. to so like make the finished product, which is funny because I took one of those classes and I immediately dropped it. <laughs> it was really hard. I'm not, I'm not a 3d modeling person on a computer hand, like by hand I can sculpt. Um, so I was creating these things by hand and like doing the illustrations and designing the characters myself, making the logo. I actually, I used my curriculum in school like build my company so I would look at the courses available and I'd be like what do I need for my company and what do I need to add to my skill set as a designer and I'd be like okay cool there's a branding and marketing class I'm going to take that class and I'm going to ask the professor if I can just work on Healthy Roots and they they would say yes so I always like I always tell people ask Don't say no before you can say yes. Ask your professors because they want you to grow and they want you to be passionate about any assignments that you're doing. And if it's an opportunity for you to work on your company, do it.
1: Yes, and I love the fact that you touch on this. You know, one of the things my husband and I always lament is, man, we wish we were thinking like this in college or even in business school, like we would have done things so much differently. It would have just been about our company and learning as much as possible about marketing and making our company the best thing ever. So I love that you started doing this in college. Well, the thing, the funny thing
0: about that is that college kids will come up to me and be like, well, you know, I'm thinking about starting business. I'm like, no, do not do it in
1: college. <laughs> Why is that?
0: Because um, while it was fun and it I think it set me up on a really good path. I think it's so much more important to develop really strong roots in your, like, your like focusing on your education. You go to school to learn and, like, it was stressful for me because I did the Kickstarter in between my junior and senior year. And now I'm trying to focus on fulfillment in the middle of my senior year when I'm supposed to be looking for jobs. That's crazy. And I think it's really important to just, you know, build up your resume and your skill. Well, I come from a design background, so it's really important to build up your resume and your portfolio so that you can, like, go into the workforce and get some experience out there and you know pocket some money so that you can reinvest it into your company. So I think there's there's several paths you can take and I wouldn't recommend mine unless you wanted to do it.
1: That is a good point as well. So, you know, one of the things I find and not to take this interview of course, but I can't overstate the benefit of some working experience now as much as you know we go through trials and tribulations especially as black women in corporate america there is something to having that experience of dealing with the politics as crazy as it is and just being refined Um, i find that in hiring people there's a difference when someone's had some years in a corporate environment so with any path you know there's pros and cons yeah that in some.
0: Yeah. And a lot of the people that will come up to me are also, you know, people of color, some of them from low income backgrounds. And I'm like, listen, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about this. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Pay your bills. Pay your bills. <laughs> Pay the bills. How is getting done? But before we do that, I also find it really interesting that in creating healthy roots, in taking time to do research, your focus was in not just creating a pretty doll, but an educational doll. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, there are other people now with this concept of creating dolls that reflect African-American little girls, but what is different about Healthy Roots?
0: So what's different about Healthy Roots is the value add that we create for parents and children. We're creating an experience. We're not we're not a physical product company. We're an experience brand, and that's what a lot of toy companies are. Is you're selling an experience for children by creating a product that like is either you know visually like educational, like focused on science, math. It's about what they're doing with that doll. What are they getting from it? And so for us, we always talk about how the problem is that people are just creating brown dolls as if it's enough to paint. Doll brown and for expect a child to see themselves in it. It's not. You have to do so much more than make a brown doll. And so, what we're doing is we created a doll that has specific hair fibers that, like, you can wash it, you can, you know, put shampoo in it, you can braid it. And in addition to that, we have a book that's an illustrated guide called The Big Book of Hair that teaches natural hair care step by step. So, it has the science in it. It talks about porosity, it talks about your hair texture, it talks about the products, it talks about protective styling, it shows you how to do the different braids, how to do the Havana twist, how to do all these different things that we didn't know how to do when we were growing up because we want kids to have those tools so that they can love their hair
1: now i you know i love this but i mean that is so genius you know why with everything that's going on lately with Fortnite, now I haven't played this game, but I know about this game, right? Yes. It's an experience. It's not just like a game that people are buying just to have a game. It is like taking over people's lives. And I like that your company, you're forward thinking, you're thinking beyond this physical product, but how can we make this a part of people's lives? Yes. Imagine if we had a dog growing up that taught us about, or or that we could practice, like, you know, protective styling and our hair is part of our core and are part of our lives and how we present ourselves in the world and how we're able to maneuver through situations. So imagine if we started that prep early on.
0: Yeah, and that's what a lot of the toy companies that have had incredible success and are still thriving today have done. Like my mentor, Maxine, she's the founder of Bear. They have an incredible model where they've created an experience for you. When you come to the store, you're selecting all the different ingredients for your bear. There's a little heart that you're making a wish on that you're putting inside the bear. Those are the things that create value that can like that make consumers want to purchase your product.
1: Oh, yes. And you know, you slid that in there, but we're going to have to talk about this mentorship. So as hard as this path has been, I can't give you enough praise because you have been very smart about it. And where you are at your age is not something to take for granted. Like there are a oh lot of people- God, I feel so old. <laughs> what are you, girl? <laughs> don't tell people how old I am. <laughs> I actually don't know. I just know you're younger than me. So <laughs> to be here, to be working with these kind of mentors is incredible. So let's you know, take some time to talk about that journey. So when did you know- And how did you go about finding that mentor or knowing which pitch competitions you wanted to enter or which incubators you wanted to apply for?
0: So at first, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I need money and I need people to tell me things. Where can I go? And that's how I ended up at Mass Challenge in Boston, which was actually really helpful. Um, And any of the mentors that I collected along the way have either been because of like school, they were connected to me through school or mutual contacts or they saw me pitch or they read an email that i was like featured in and they reached out to me or i went to an industry event that like i do research about events and spaces that are particularly relevant to me so it's either you know kids educational products toy fairs um, natural hair events parent events and i will connect with them there and i like i look beforehand like who's going to be there what companies are sponsoring and doing my research to figure out like okay do i need to be there or not and then collecting business cards i actually I went to Toy Fair my senior year, which was 2016, and I got the business card of Debbie Sterling from Goldie Blocks and just held on to it because I didn't have anything to ask her yet. I didn't have anything to contribute. And then just a couple months ago, I saw her being on, I saw her featured on TV recently with um, another young girl who had a doll thing going on. And I looked, I looked for her business card, which I always keep and I emailed her and now she's also one of my mentors. (laughs) So I just, I just collect and I keep track. I don't have like a official CRM system, but my brain is that like, I always know like people's industries, people's specific skill sets. I do the, the, the five degrees of separation. Like, it's also like, like my Facebook is part of my network. It's like, I know who's connected to who and who knows has access to such and such opportunities. And so it's like building your network is the most important thing I can advise people to do. And just like, always being like honest about what you need and not being afraid to ask
1: for help. Right. I was just about to ask. So when you, you know, meet someone and you don't follow up right away and then you pitch them, that takes some finesse, right? Because some people don't want to feel like, oh, what does this person want? So clearly you have that finesse. So I need you to share those tips.
0: (laughs) I don't have finesse. I just, I just know when to bother people and when not to. (laughs) Because it's like just because you get someone's business card doesn't mean that that's the right time to have that conversation right. with them what traction have you had do you have anything that they can help you with at all because it's like you can't ask them to help you. You have to give them a call to action to help you. Ooh. And you have to have a relationship behind that as well.
1: well. What's an example of a call to action? Are you like, hey, I'm in this incubator. I've already done X, Y, Z. And now it would be awesome to hear your perspective having you know created Build-A-Bear and made a purpose-driven company similar to what I'm building. So Maxine actually reached out to me because of the Venture for America
0: Fellowship. They put me in one of their newsletters and she just wanted to help you know, with any needs that we might have. So my call to action to her is like me. So the, the thing about call to action is like, you have to understand your needs. So you need to sit down and you need to write out what am I working on? What are my deadlines? And what am I missing to, to meet such and such goals? And so when I go to like my mentors who have experience with manufacturing, I will talk to them like, hey, I'm going to China in two weeks. I wanted to understand more about establishing a contract with a manufacturer. Can we hop on the phone for 15 minutes?
1: love it very specific very helpful because the more specific you are the
0: more they can help you you need to know what you need to know from them (laughs) oh yes oh yes there's nothing worse
1: than getting a oh i just want to run something by you what no what do you want to run
0: by me i only have so many hours in the day what do you want to talk (laughs) about like i'll get those emails from people who are just like starting and i'm like i want to help you but you're not making it easy for me to
1: help you (laughs) get to the point folks okay yeah Hey, guys, it's Nakela here with a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, Side Hustlers, if you have already started your business or are getting ready to, you probably know that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats and some of those hats are totally fun. But if we're being honest, some of them like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto even automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school, clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses, but Gusto is. So let them handle one of your many hats because you have better things to do. Side Hustle Pro listeners get three free months when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and see for yourself at Gusto.com SHP. That's Gusto.com SHP. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You wanna know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to skillshare.com slash hustle pro. Again, go to skillshare.com slash hustle pro to start your two months now. So let's get into pitch competitions and incubators. You are currently in one. Yes. When do you know when to continue going through incubators and when to stop and just start, you know, going hard on your company?
0: So I'm actually using this specific accelerator to go hard on my company, just in a different city. So I saw this, this is an accelerator through Venture for America. And um, the reason why I wanted to do it was because it would be, it's during holiday season and it would be in a different city that I haven't tapped my network in yet. So it's in Detroit, and I haven't, I've i have never been to Detroit, but I know there's tons of people of color out here, and I know there's capital out here, and I know that I need to be working. So this gives me the opportunity to be in a co-working space in a different city where I can meet people and also get work done.
1: So are Healthy Ruth dolls available yet? Or is this what you mean by going hard? Like you are now focusing on the actual sales process and the availability. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we're actually sold out right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've been getting multiple emails from people and I was like, where were you when they were here? Cause I can't help you. Um, so I'm working now on making sure production for the holiday season is running smoothly. I'm booking a flight to China right now to meet with manufacturers and review product and make sure everything is on the up and up. And so that's what I mean when I'm focusing on holiday season. Like I have to focus on my marketing for the holiday season, working Mm -hmm. with um, McKinney because we won a pitch competition with them where they're providing us those services. And that's, yeah, I'm focusing on my holiday season marketing and production.
1: Very smart. Very smart. Now, booking this trip to China, I know you're not just going there blind, but when you're creating a new product that someone hasn't manufactured before. Oh, girl. (laughs) Yes. How do you how do you find the right manufacturer?
0: I literally just tweeted about this the other week when like, cause like people saw me on the phone and I have this bad habit of like clapping my hands when I'm talking to somebody. Cause I was like, I told y'all the hair has to be like this like, so hard. Cause it's like, I sent you the sample. Mm-hmm. You send me back a sample. That's nothing like what I sent you. And I'm wondering, like, do your eyes work? Like, did you run it under water <laughs> like I told you to? Like, are we speaking the same language? Like, I know we don't really speak the same language, right. but I feel like I've done everything in my power to help you. Um, so the first thing that I do is I look at my network and I look at the toy people I have on my network who have already established their chain of production. And I ask them like, hey, do you know do you know of any factories that produce such and such type of quality dolls? I'm looking to connect with them while wow. da, da 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 da. And they'll make introductions for me to either agents or people that they've worked with before. So you always want to go through verified folks. So these are companies that are, and the reason why that's good is because if you come through them the companies will be less likely to screw you over because it's like, I will tell them that you delivered a poor product to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's how I do it. Okay. And how are you surviving during all this? Now we touched on this with your advice to current college students, you know, paying your bills. Are you using pitch competitions and, you know, funding yourself that way, both for the business and for living expenses?
0: Well, pitch competitions and I work. I have a skill set and I need income. So I do graphic design work and contract illustration work.
1: All right. See, I didn't even know that. Now that's that hustling mentality. Okay. And you're balancing and juggling that with building out the business.
0: Yes. It's quite the balancing act. (laughs) I I can
1: imagine. (laughs) Now, um, when you first started pitching, was this something that you... You leaned on um, your college and the resources there to start getting better. You were recently selected as, was it the New Voices Fund pitch competition winner? Yes. Um, So how do you prepare for those kind of opportunities?
0: It's kind of, I don't want to be one of those people. that's like, I don't even study
1: anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You can, Um, you can, but you've put in those hours though. I, yeah, it's, I guess it's like,
0: my art teacher in in high school would always talk about how like the Beatles were masters of their crafts because they spent 10,000 hours, you know, learning how to play the instruments and writing music, and it just gets to a point where with pitching, you know your company, you know your product, and you know your goals, and you also know your ask, so you can just curate your pitch and just switch words around. Like I have like I have drafts of pitches that are targeted towards different audiences that I'll just like copy and paste stuff from to build a new pitch when I like have to do something. But like, I already know the content. I'm just restructuring it or, you know, updating my traction. Um, and it's something that you develop over time. Like your first pitch is never going to be perfect. Although mine was pretty good. You know? <laughs>
1: I love it. You need, need part, part of this.
0: that confidence too, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to have that confidence. I mean, don't be arrogant, but be confident. Because if you're arrogant, you're not going to be looking for ways to improve. So whenever I pitch, I'm also like asking people like, hey, like, what do you think I should have added or how would you change things? Um, Pitch competitions are a great way to practice as well.
1: And when you listen to other companies that are pitching, are there anything that you just listen to it and you're like, you know what, like those are some like big no no's that I wish I could just share with them? Before they had gotten on stage,
0: I hate when people ask questions.
1: (laughs) What do you mean?
0: (laughs) Who here in the audience has ever? (laughs) Please raise your hand if you have ever. List, stop doing that. Stop. You literally because not only is it just not related, like you're forcing people to engage in a way that they don't want to. You're wasting your own time by like waiting for responses and hands to go up. Right, right. You only have so many seconds. I
1: wish they wouldn't teach you that kind of stuff in in um you know, uh, public speaking classes because it's a fine line, right? You want engagement, but we all have to get more creative about it and stop doing the, you know.
0: If you want engagement, be charismatic, be entertaining. That's how you get (laughs) engagement.
1: I'm just saying. Exactly. All righty. So now what are some of the mental barriers that you have had to overcome in being an entrepreneur and in starting your business?
0: I actually had a conversation, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, about how people will sabotage themselves because they're afraid of success. And I've had my mentors tell me, like, Yelitsa, I think, I think you're sabotaging yourself because you don't want to be successful. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's a word. Uh, but, yeah, I've definitely, you know, delayed applying to things because, you know, I didn't because it's like the fear of rejection. You have to get over that fear of rejection. I, I've gotten to a place where like, I've gotten better at it, but it's still challenging because to me, I associate rejection, like not getting into a certain program with not being good enough. Because in my mind, I'm like, if I do X, Y and Z, like you told me, and, you know, I have such, such and such traction and I'm, my mentors are you know, stellar, there's no reason to not accept me. You, I did all the things that y'all told me in this world that you have to be in order to be successful. So why do I have to continue to fly? That's a whole nother conversation though. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> yeah. So I've gotten to a point where like I've had conversations with like VCs and people at certain programs where like, they've been honest with me and they said, it's not you, but it's like the industry or like what people are looking for. Everything is subjective. And so that's one thing I had to realize is like, it's a lot of stuff is subjective.
1: That is so, so true. I mean, especially people who are high achieving. You're so right. When you come across those those closed doors and you're like, wait a second, doors continue to open for me. Why, why don't you want to open your door for me? And even though there's a door next to you that's open, you can't stop looking at that closed door. Like, why? Why yeah. didn't you want me? And I think your mentors are right in that the industry is not ready for bets. The industry likes stuff that they can kind of predict will do well. And anything that's outside of that, especially with us at the face of it, is it's more challenging. So how What advice do you have so far in how you've been getting through it to understand that sometimes the answer doesn't make sense? It's a no, and there won't be a reason for the no. It's just a no.
0: Do you, boo. (laughs) Just do you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Build your company, make your money. Mm -hmm. And then when they come back trying to write you a check, tell them you don't need them. Exactly. But I think I want to see more entrepreneurs of color doing that because- I don't want to see, you know, entrepreneurs of color chasing VC money or angel investor money to build these companies when there's an opportunity for them to build it on their own. I know, like, and I'm not talking about people who actually need the capital, the working capital. I'm talking about the people like me who have a physical product company can buckle down and just focus on building their sales strategy and build their company that way. Yes,
1: it's slower. But as a prideful Haitian, it makes me feel so much better. (laughs) Oh, yes. And a prideful Jamaican, I feel the same way. Like a lot of times I just want to tell people, well, why don't you just get some sales? (laughs) 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 Why are you going to that VC? Um, So I agree with that. And yeah, they will come. They will come knocking when they see that success.
0: That's Uh, something that I've talked about recently is like not chasing things. Because and that's any aspect of life. That's, you know, work. That's personal life. It's like if somebody wants to support you, if somebody wants to write you a check, if somebody wants to text you back, if somebody wants to hang out, they'll let you know. Mm -hmm. You won't have to ask multiple times. You won't have to follow up multiple times. If it's not a yes, it's a no.
1: Oh, yes. Hell no at that. Um, (laughs) Now, a lot of people lose money in this first few years of business. You talked about you're still doing graphic design to fund the business. What has been your experience overall with cash flow, losing versus earning in these initial first years of business?
0: So I've never had a cash flow problem. <laughs> I've never, I, don't, I haven't lost any money and I don't have any debt from for Healthy Roots. Healthy Roots is a debt-free company. And it's really funny because I remember at one point because there was a delay in production and shipping, some of the Kickstarter backers were like, oh, she just took the money, da 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 And I'm, like, looking at the two bank, bank accounts side by side, and I'm like, I wish, <laughs> I really wish that I could just transfer this over. But it's like, no. I always understand where my capital is going. And I think one problem that some physical product companies have is they don't set out their budget and they don't specifically allocate their funding, especially for cost of goods. I've had mentors be like, well, you have this much money. Why don't you just do this? And I was like, I have to purchase product. That money cannot be touched. Um, So understanding the limitations of your capital and understanding your cash flow early is really, really important. Like even when I did, I don't come from a financial background, but even I understood like this money is for this and this Mm -hmm. money for this and do not mess with it.
1: Now, I know you had 674 Kickstarter backers. How much did you raise overall?
0: It was $48,918.
1: Nice, nice. Okay, so now you're in an accelerator in Detroit. What is next for Healthy Roots?
0: What's next for Healthy Roots is to sell out this holiday season um, I'm not going to tell you all the things that we're working on, but we're working on things. If you want to get your doll, make sure you purchase early. Um, and then building out our plans for the coming year in 2019. So once we do the holiday season, re- figuring out what our next moves are. Because I want to expand and I want to create other different, like other products. Um, and I want to create experiences for kids. So maybe a festival. Okay. You know?
1: You know okay. We're figuring it out. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be watching, supporting, and so excited. Now we're going to transition into the lightning round where you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Yes. Already. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
0: Uh, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook <laughs> groups. Facebook groups. I really like um, Build Brand Launch with Asha Jones, I think. That's yes. one. Yes. I will go into those groups and that's somewhere that I ask questions. I ask people for resources. I ask people for connections. Looking for targeted Facebook groups has been really helpful. Also just my Facebook audience. Like when I tell y'all I just be going on Facebook, i be like, who's been to China and knows how to do a visa? I really need help. (laughs) My Facebook friends
1: expect questions from me and then they help. Love it. And I, yes, love Arsha's group. She's been on the show. So I will link to that. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or event that you've consumed this year?
0: Event. Oh, I don't really go to business events. I went to Inc. and then I've been to Blavity events. I will say that my mentor's book about Build a Bear was really, really good. But podcast episode, I would have to recommend the startup podcast featuring Backstage Capital. Oh, yes. I love that. That yes. one was really good. Like Arlen's my VC, and I didn't even know those things. I was yes. Texting her, like, girl, what? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that yes, was really good. I will link to that, you guys. That is a uh, Side Hustle Pro supported podcast. Alrighty, number three. Who is a black woman entrepreneur that you would want to trade places with just for a day, and why?
0: If I'm being unrealistic, I would say Beyonce or Rihanna, just like in a fantasy world. Cause I want to see how much of it, how much of a role they play in the, their products and their, and their brand and representation. But in a realistic world, I'd want to trade places with Morgan Debon, Cause I'm, I want to see the ins and outs of Blavity and like how that's been built.
1: Yes. All right. Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
0: Um, being unapologetically me. <laughs> Um, I like, I'm not afraid to say exactly what it is. And that's something that I think would benefit a lot of people is like owning that. And like, it, cause I feel like in the past I used to censor myself or, you know, try to play the game, but then I realized either you're going to like me or you're not, and either you're going to help me or you aren't. So if even, even if I do all those things, you could still not care. So I might as well just do me
1: and be honest. Yes. And finally... What is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck?
0: Don't let anybody rush your process. <laughs> Don't let anybody rush you. And there's nothing wrong with having a steady paycheck. I feel like I feel like we're having conversations about that on social media, about the stigma of like entrepreneurship and people who have nine to fives. I think being your own boss is amazing, but you can have a steady paycheck and be your own boss and make decisions for yourself while building a side hustle. Oh, yes. So don't, don't, those two things do not negate each other.
1: Love it. Now, where can people connect with you after this episode?
0: Well, you can follow all of Healthy Roots at Healthy Roots Dolls on the social medias. And then I am The Yulita on Twitter. I tweet about Beyonce. Um, feminism, Black womanhood, and hair. Yes. And then, <laughs> you know, uh, my Tinder stories are really great. And then on Instagram at Black Girl Versus The World.
1: All right. Well, Yulitza, it has been a real treat having you in the guest chair. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. And there you have it, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash sidehustlecorner to get my weekly Side Hustle Diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at sidehustlepro